Hey guys, we are revisiting the comment section of one of our very popular videos. Our top video. So popular, <laughs> frankly. It's, um, it's, I think, well, I was going to say it's equally loved and hated, but I would actually argue that... It's more loved. As far as the comment section goes, there's more positive feedback mm -hmm. than negative. There's great testimonies down there. We should do a testimonies video we should. of all the great things. But today... There's gnashing of teeth, <laughs> screaming and shouting, and so we will address some of those questions. Yes. It's always been two years since we recorded that video, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have said, like, well, they'll change their mind, or they'll, you know, go they down the flames. That we'll be divorced. Divorced and all that stuff. Well, suckers, we ain't, and we haven't changed our mind. I think we haven't changed our mind, but I think we've we've started to understand more how to process and articulate what it is that, that we are seeing and doing. You know, it's like when you say, oh, I'd really like to buy a blue Bronco or whatever. You start to see blue Broncos everywhere because that's what you're focusing on. And so for us, you know, starting to live our marriage in a biblical way, that's what you start to see all around you. And you start to pick up the dynamics. You start to see all of the testimonies mm -hmm. and all of the, the ways played out. And so I think we have better ways of articulating it now. Yeah. I would like people to actually understand because mm -hmm. the reason we're sharing about this is because it's really blessed us and our following, ironically, following God's ways has blessed our marriage. But the reason we share this publicly isn't because it's like really fun. It's actually extremely vulnerable, but it's been such a blessing to us that we want to, you just took a huge deep breath. Because it's so vulnerable. We want to share it because it's blessed our marriage. So we hope that this is a testimony mm -hmm. and encouragement to you and to your marriage. Now we say a, a better way for people to understand it is adaptability. Mm -hmm. That's something that isn't tainted. So to help people understand, but we don't want to get away from the biblical word. Yeah, we're not ashamed of what the Bible says. So the, the easier way for people to understand in this world where they've tried to make patriarchy offensive, submission offensive, is to say, I adapt myself to God like my wife adapts herself to me, I adapt myself to God. So the Bible would say, as I submit to the Lord, so my wife submits to me. That's how the scripture says it. So we're not ashamed of, of mm -hmm. that. You know, it's like, it's like someone saying like, well, in order to be a Christian, you need to submit your own desires and your own will to the word of God, to the will of God. And if someone's like, how dare you? We're equals with God. We're equally... God doesn't need me to submit to him. I respect God, but God I'm not going to... God doesn't gonna, control me. God doesn't control me and all this stuff. It's like, well, okay, you're going to have a hard time being a follower, an adapter, a slave of Christ. You're going to have a hard time. If you don't submit, you're going to have a hard time. And I think this brings us to, if you're not a Christian, none of our stuff applies to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm really surprised at the number of people who watch our videos that clearly aren't Christians um, and then get offended with what we're saying. Yeah. You're free from all of this. <laughs> yeah, if you don't believe in God. Yeah. Then... And even Christians, like if you sincerely love the Lord, but you don't want to follow his word, it's not on us to control you or criticize you or whatever. Like you are, you're accountable to your own walk with the Lord. We're just saying, oh, the Bible says a few things that we've never been taught. Let's start trying to live this out. This is what these videos are about is, Hey, the Bible is saying stuff that the culture is not doing. Maybe we should start doing what the Bible says and see if we get a different result. So, praise God, let's do some comments. So, the first comment. 
Why does any one person need control over another adult? It's healthy to occasionally disagree. That's what partnership is. You come together to form a mutual solution. So the second part, there's no disagreement from us. Partnership, coming together for a mutual solution, healthy to occasionally disagree. We disagree about things. We mm. talk about things. Yeah. We are a mutual solving team. We are human beings. We are human <laughs> beings. But the first part, why does any one person need control over another adult? So the first thing to differentiate here is the Bible doesn't address us as adults. That's not the classification. There's man and woman and child. There's husband and wife. And so the Bible says that husbands have authority over their families. They have a responsibility, a duty, an authority to protect and provide for their own household. My wife, it's not her responsibility to protect and provide. It's not her responsibility to be an authority over me. And so what we're really seeing here, why does any one person need control over another adult? So often control is not, I mean, I don't like remote control you and, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you will do this and you will do that. When you make the decision at the end of the day, it's not out of a place of I'm in control. I make decisions. It's my way or the highway. It's out of, I think this is what's best for our family. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I would do it that way, but. And then we talk about it. <laughs> we talk about it at the end of the day. It's up to me to submit to my husband. And that's why I always quote Elizabeth Elliot, you don't submit when you agree, you submit when you disagree. And so that doesn't mean that I am resentful and angry. It's cheerful. It's the three, going back to the three virtues of femininity, it's beauty, helpfulness, and cheerfulness. It's remaining all of those three while being adaptable to my husband's direction. And I have to trust that I married a man who wants to live obedient to God's ways, who seeks the Lord, who submits himself to God. And I'm like, well, I know that the, at the end of the day, Scott's deepest desire is to live obedient to the Lord so I can trust him in the decisions that he makes. And so the last thing about control is whenever a, a woman objects to control and a controlling man, it's often their own projection because they are in control. They are controlling their husband. And they don't want to lose control. They don't, want to, they don't want their husband to have authority, to make decisions, to set a course, because then they will lose that control. So many wives control their husbands through their mood, through their emotions, through tantrums, through abuse. And so the moment uh, someone comes along and puts an idea into her husband's head of actually, you should rule over your wife, rule over your household, set the course, set what is acceptable, not acceptable, be the one who sets the environment and the atmosphere, it creates an incredible uh, upset, an incredible unhappiness in the one who is going to be usurped from that throne in the household. So, you know, often when, when ladies freak out about control, it's because they know that they're going to lose control. Let's go to our next question. Okay, this is a funny one. This kind of, I, I'm going to read it in like as neutral of a tone that I this kind of life isn't for me. I'm always going to be a strong, independent woman who always pulls myself up by the bootstraps and I want to keep it that way. Being cooped up all the time, cooking, cleaning, taking care of littles is not my cup of tea. And if my boyfriend tells me about doing some patriarchy relationship type of deal, someone going to literally meet Jesus in a blink of an eye and spoiler alert, it isn't me. But if it works for you, great. But I'm just not into that lifestyle or will ever do it. 
Which again is the irony of it is she's saying she's gonna murder or hurt or harm her husband if he leaves her control. If he wants to have authority in the relationship, not her, she will literally abuse him. Which is the outcry. And you know, we wouldn't normally pull these type of comments because it's like Wow, fascinating. Um, And there's lots of these type of things that's like not really worth even responding to. And you'll notice that we don't respond to people's comments that are negative because there's no point of arguing with people. But we included this one because (laughs) like the very thing that most people comment on that they hate about our video is abusive men. Meanwhile, someone gonna literally meet Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's it. It's like, hey, if this isn't for you, like if you're a legit feminist who wants to go and be a strong, independent woman, our videos are not for you. you And you're not going to be offended by it because you're going to be happy with your life. It's really funny with the whole being cooped up all the time, cooking, cleaning, taking care of littles is not my cup of tea. And I'm like, actually, being a homemaker and a housewife and a mom, I feel that when you have a biblical marriage it actually gives you the opposite of being cooped up. You have a lot of freedom. You can make home a wonderful place to be. I think the most cooped up I've ever been was when I worked my graphic design job in a cubicle, in a dark room, in a basement, surrounded with other people who I didn't enjoy, except for one. And You're fine. <laughs> I'm still friends with except her today. Except that one person. Well, I'm friends with her today. So Not you. Yeah. <laughs> The rest of them, not so much. But, like, that to me was misery. I, if you ask any number of career career women if they like their jobs, I would say the majority of them actually hate their jobs. If you ask any number of women who are homemakers and housewives if they would like to go back to work, I think an immediate dread would fill them of, like, oh, no, I do not want to go back to work. I am the most free I've ever been. I have time to do what I want to do, what I want to learn. A strong, independent career woman, you are tied to your boss, your corporation, whatever it is. That's what you've got to go and spend all your time at. And then you maybe have four hours a day to yourself where you go out and get takeout and watch a movie or whatever. Yeah. We sit down pretty much every Monday and we say, here's what we want to do this week. We pencil it into our schedules. Here's what we need to do. You know, we all have chores and responsibilities and duties. Here's where I need help. Here's the things that I'm going to do this week. And then Kelly gets to say, here's the things I would like to do this week. Here's the things I need you uh, to do this week or things that we are trying to achieve this week. We'll pencil all into our schedules. That is how we have our time. So if Kelly wants to go and do some activity or see some people or do something, she doesn't have to be like, well, I have to fit it into between 5 and 8 p.m. on a Thursday night if I'm going to do this one thing. It's like... As long as we are hitting all the things we need to hit, we have an amazing freedom to pretty much pursue whatever projects and stuff we want to do because we're building our own household. The Proverbs 31 woman, it says she had industry and crafts and property and skills and family and servants. uh, And her husband was out at the gate doing things that he was doing. And she was out doing what she wanted to do because her husband trusted in her. Yes. So at the end of the day, it comes down to trust of does your husband, tr- oh, my husband won't let me do anything. It's like, that's a you thing. Yeah. Um, and I will say she's doing all of those things under her husband's authority, the Proverbs 31 woman. Like she is a very skillful woman under 
her husband's household. She's not going and working for some other man outside of the home, building his empire. She's building her husband's household. household. And that's the thing. Like, we're not against women earning money. Like, praise God if you earn money. Like, Mm -hmm. praise God for it. It's whose household are you building? Whose mission are you building? Is it your husband's or is it some corporation? That's the, the big issue with the Proverbs 31 woman is you want to build a family. You want to build a household. Also with the, uh, like you said, if I want to go out with friends, it's interesting because when you're in a community that is surrounded by families and women who do value career, it's really hard to find friendships based on your values. And it's been so cool because the church that we're a part of, most of the women are homemakers. And so going there, nobody asked me what my job or career was. It was actually like, do you have free time during the day? Would you like to come over for a coffee in the morning? Um, We homeschool our kids, so we have flexibility. And I was like, this is so refreshing to me. That, this is the opposite of being cooped up. If you can find a community that share these values, you get to go and be more free than you ever would be working under a corporation that controls your time, controls your energy. Um, yeah, we just can't say enough about this lifestyle. Okay, next one. I know a family where the daughter has all the STEM ability. She is to waste this talent because she's a woman. They wanted their son to like science, but he's bad at science. Too many women waste talent because of sexism. And this one goes straight into what Kelly was just saying now. You know, if you're homeschooling children, that is a huge, huge authority, responsibility to be able to take children and push them into what God made them to do, their skills, their aptitudes, their personality. That's a wonderful, wonderful use of your talents and your time. To be a household manager, it's literally like managing a small business or a company or a department where there's finances going on, there's procurement going on, there's logistics, there's organization, event management. There's so much going on in a household where you're you're blessed if you have a clever and talented and skillful wife. Whatever your husband's mission or goals, he needs a lot of help. So the more talented and skillful and high IQ a wife a guy has, again, he can go and do his mission that much better because of who is helping him. Men don't want some dumb dead weight to drag them down because they there's incompetence in their household and there's incompetence as a helper and there's, you know, all this stuff. Like, men want a competent help me. The Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. woman. Like, that's a great value. Yeah. So let's take STEM, right? You go into some technology or engineering or whatever field if you're going to go into a huge amount of debt to go become some STEM engineer and then go work 60 to 80 hours a week as a consultant or a banker or an engineer or whatever, that's the life you're choosing for yourself versus one where you get to manage your own household, your own time. You're able to influence the next generation. However many children you have, that's going to be your lasting legacy, the project that you build the biggest, your husband's status and achievement that you get to be a part of and help. There's so much more than just being some number on a cubicle in some big corporation that's probably going to go bankrupt before you're dead. How much does a household need a very competent woman to run it? And I was thinking about when I read this, uh, Ruth Stout is the gardener. My friend Lauren gave me one of her books and I've been rereading it as we're trying to plan our garden. And I was thinking, this woman is a very competent woman. And thinking about 
like all of these girls that are going to college with the aims of pursuing careers, yes, like it's good to be a competent woman, skillful, Proverbs 31 woman, but how much better is it to use that skill that you have to build your home? And that is has eternal impact. The only eternal impact that we have on this world is our interactions with people, specifically your children. And so how much greater in the eternal worldview is it that you're raising your children with competence because your children are going to be raising your grandchildren. We're not against women having skills or wisdom or knowledge. We are, how can you use that to benefit your household? And I think that also means like you can learn from your household. This is how I got into herbalism. I'm like, I have time to learn these things. I am going to learn as much as I can about herbalism. And it's been really fun. And I'm learning on my own terms how I like to learn rather than sitting at a desk with a professor who's boring. And yeah, so. There's there's no limit on what you can learn from home versus having to go into huge amounts of debt in a place that hates you, hates God, hates family, wants to turn you into a second-rate man in a tax farm to cut wages in a corporate industry. It's just credentialism, right? Oh, you don't have the credentials because you don't have a doctorate in engineering? I speak to old engineer guys, and most of the stuff they learn is on the job. Yes, they have a credential that allows them into the industry, but then all the things that they learn is on the job. That's why old engineers are so valuable and they have to be replaced by five people because they've learned things through 20, 30, 40 years on the job that you're not going to learn at a university. You're just going to get indebted to. And so here's the next thing. Do you want to be a female engineer 20, 30, 40 years on the job? Or would you like to have a family? Would you like to have a husband? Would you like to have a multi-generational household legacy? There's a cost. You have to choose which one. And so many ladies are like, but I want credentials. Well, Choose family first. By the age of 35 or 40, all your children could be in high school if you did want to farm them out to the public school system. And then you can go back and get your degree. And by the age of 40, 45, you can now go have a 20 to 30 year career and have a family. You could do that if you wanted. You have to understand your times. You, you'll say you definitely wouldn't be wasting your fertility, your prime fertility years, mm-hmm. getting a doctorate degree and then putting in your experience and then turn 40 and realize that time's up. And I know people will say you can have your children past 40. Praise God. I hope that that's the common thing for most people. We, we think that's a good thing. Have children until you can't anymore. But to ignore the fertility timeline is not doing anyone any favors. And to ignore your, your most attractive time to find a husband. You know, if you're 35 and single and you're a doctor, of engineering or a doctor of medical doctor or a doctor of English history, whatever you you're chose to pursue, you're now in debt. You've probably slept with a bunch of guys at university. You've probably been very demoralized through the corporate environment. You're not as attractive to men as a girl who hasn't gone through the meat grinder of university and corporate life. That's pretty demoralizing. It's pretty harsh. Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. Um, are we leaving that in? No, we can cut it out. <laughs> Do you want to say it in a nicer way? You can say it in a nicer way. You could say, like, 
you're going to get your most value at as an older age, being able to look back and seeing that you have children and grandchildren, not looking back at the number of degrees that you held. Why didn't you say that? That was better. When you become an older lady, 60, 70, 80, you are going to want to look at your life and see your children and grandchildren. That will be the greatest measure of joy. I don't know anyone who gets into their 80s and looks back at how many degrees that they had in honor of their And they're still paying it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, that's why we want to encourage you. It's like the most important thing you can understand is the blessing of children, the blessing of being a wife, and understanding how to go about getting those things at a younger age and getting years and years and years of higher education and career experience isn't going to make you a mother and grandmother at 70 years old. Our next question. When we disagree, women are meant to submit. They're quoting... Cry emoji. Yeah, they're quoting what we said. Then she proceeds to say, I guess I'll have to get R-A-P-E-D. I'm not going to say it because I don't want our video to get flagged. L-O-L-O-L-O-L. I'm so glad I don't live in a secluded small town religious cult that continues to teach hatred towards the creators of life. Wow. Where did anyone say? <laughs> well, again, this is telling on yourself. You're saying that the person you married, if they had control over you, would be a would do this to you. Well, and I feel like it's saying, like, your picker's bad. You picked someone that has such low character. You know, we were hesitant to even share this because it's like, do people really think this? But sadly, we get comments like this quite often when we talk about submission. They immediately go to the most extreme thing that submission means R-A-P-E. And it's like, what? In a lot of people's minds, the only thing keeping men from absolutely abusing and murdering and abusing their wives is the fact that the wives won't submit. And it's like... We were talking the other day and uh, we were saying how we were trying to think of our real life, people that mm -hmm. we know in real life, real stories. And we're like, we've never, and you could say we're sheltered, but we've never seen... A marriage where the man is physically abusive to the woman not say that not saying they don't exist yeah. more often what we've seen is rebellious and abusive wives that end up divorcing Just, their husband taking kids out of the home yeah. destroying the husband destroying his mission destroying the children destroying their purpose you see that we've seen that much mm -hmm. more than we've seen the other way around the opposite and we're not saying it doesn't exist this is why we talk about making sure you have your friends and family a part of yeah. your picking process so they can spot red flags and also that you are part of mutual friends with this person's family and friends so they can tell you hey this we know this guy not a good idea yeah if you get married you're getting married in an environment where your friends are witness when you have a church ceremony they're a witness to your marriage so that means if you're having trouble in your marriage you have a pastor to go to you have friends to go to you have a support system. You have a encouragement system to encourage a healthy household, a healthy marriage. When we go to, to weddings, it's the most joyous thing because we're going as a witness to say, yes, we want to see you guys flourish and be fruitful and multiply. And we are saying yes to your union. And so we want to help you and be a blessing to you in this union. Now, again, most, the majority of modern culture is, oh yeah, we're sleeping together, we moved in, we don't really know anybody because we met over a dating app. 
and we got married. Oh, and now he's an abuser, or... There's no reverence for marriage. If you're not going to follow all of God's ways with marriage, it's like, you're going to have problems. Yeah. If you're questioning God's existence, do not watch this garbage. God would not want women to live like this. The Bible says to love your wife. She will resent you and divorce you, dude. A marriage is a partnership full of compromise. This is far from that. So uh, the scripture, and we'll pull it up on the screen, but the scripture he's referencing is... She. Oh, <laughs> it's a girl. Sorry. Uh, the Bible says to love your wife. Yeah. And in that same portion of right scripture... <laughs> wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and live with her with understanding. So, you know. And actually says in the same section that Sarah called Abraham Lord, which would really offend this person. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, again, a lot of feminists want it one way. They want to control their husband and make sure that their husband loves them, but they're not willing to be controlled by their husband and respect him. They just want it one way. And they cherry pick their parts of the Bible. You know, oh, it says love your wife. It's like, yeah, no problem there. Live with her. With like, we're big. On, that's what I say. If a guy is abusing a woman, her father and brothers, her church should step in and correct that. We have laws in our country that already correct that. But we don't have laws and we don't have families and we don't have churches who step in when a woman fails to respect her husband. It's, it's, that's not, this is not the issue in our culture. The issue in our culture is not men loving their wives. The issue in our culture is women respecting their husbands. Next. B.S. If a woman actually wants to be a 1950s housewife, then great. But having a career and being successful, a successful woman is a good thing. Most women want to have their own life and make their own choices. As a married couple, you should work together to solve problems as an equal team, not a dictatorship by the man. Nope. I don't even understand what this means. Yeah. Yeah. So having a career and being a successful woman is a good thing. It is a good thing, but not for you. It's a good thing for corporations because it drives down wages. Right? By bringing women into the workforce, you've doubled the workforce and then you can halve the prices. It's the same with why you flood the market with cheap immigration. It's to halve the, the prices that the corporations have to pay. It's a great thing increase the for housing. corporations. Increase the housing market because there's now more, you know, uh, if you increase divorce rates, it's double the housing market because you now have split families. It is a good thing, not for you. It's a good thing for the government because they have more taxes, right? Women get if a woman goes out and earns a second income for the family, it pushes the whole family up and up in a tax bracket. You have far more tax burden. It's a great thing for the government. Then because she's at work, you have to push your children into daycare and into school, public schools. And so that's a huge union thing. Teachers unions and you know, you're pushing all these children into into that environment where it's basically a huge big money-making scheme. It's a great thing. Being a successful woman and having a career is a great thing. Just not for you and not for your family, not for your children, not for your husband. And going back to what does being a successful woman actually mean? And to me, the, the greatest success is to be a wife and a mother. Home is the forward operating base of heaven. If you want to change the world, it starts right in your household. Yeah. Praise God. So as a married couple, you should work together to solve problems. We've already uh, discussed that. As an equal team, not a dictatorship by the man. Again, you're going against scripture there, you know, and to try and straw man it as dictatorship and abuse and control. No, it's authority. I have authority over my household 
we solve things together. My wife is my helpmeet. My wife is the most valuable person in the world to me. Am I her dictator? Yes, I am a dictator. But not in a way that the straw man... I don't even know how to... Yeah, so I think I would give an example of this. So there was an event going on and I felt guilt or obligation or fear of missing out to go to this thing. And so I was like very wishy-washy. Like, should I go? Should I not go? I didn't really want to go. I was like all over the place emotionally, not sure what I should do. So I talked to Scott and he was like, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't have any peace about it. And for me, like you making the that decision right then, it immediately gave me peace of that's an answer. That's a decision. And if God wanted us to go, then I believe it would have been put on your heart as well and get you. And I left you. that. I left that as an option. I said, I right now it's a no. We're not going to go. But I will be open to the Lord changing my heart. We will, we will revisit this decision tomorrow morning. Yeah, and you said we we'll, we will pray about it, and if we're supposed to go, like we'll mm-hmm. see. And I immediately felt relaxed and at ease. I would argue that most women crave men to make decisions in their life. Because then, for me, we didn't end up going to this thing. And this is just a small example, but it's an example of Scott making a decision and, oh, like, what a relief of burden that I don't have to be the one to make that decision. And I trust that God vindicates me, that it is for the best, Mm -hmm. that we didn't go to this event, and now I can rest into that. And this is a great example, because old me would have been, well, whatever you want to do, you know, if you want to go, that's fine. And now I'm putting the burden of decision onto her. And she's like, well, I don't know. It's all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if you want to, if you want to go, you can go. And now you're stressing out about whether you should go or not. Yeah. That, you know, and then you're thinking like, do I want you to go or not? Yeah. There's all this unsaid. That's old me, right? Whereas new me is like, no, I don't want to go. So I'm saying we're not going. However, if this is something you really want to do, then we can pray about it and we can revisit this tomorrow morning. And of course, if they were like, this was just something that you were like, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. a fear of missing out thing. It was. But if there was like, we think we should go somewhere and I'm feeling like, no, we shouldn't. And you really are, think it's important. You'll, you'll lay out why, like, well, this, this, and this dynamic. And we said this, this, and this, so we might have some obligations. And what about this? And what if they think about this? So we, so I'm happy to live with understanding, live with knowledge with my wife of like, what are all the reasons motivating us going somewhere? There have been times where I'm like, I don't want to go somewhere. We've chatted about it and I understand why my wife wants to go. And I will say, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm happy to go along. Let's go. But I'm the one who's made the decision. So if the thing goes badly or if whatever, and I don't turn around and be like, why did you make us go here? This was your <laughs> idea. This was, it's like, no, I made the decision. We, we went here. And so by faith, we are blessed. We're blessed when you go out. We're blessed when you go in. I've made the decision. We're going. Let's be happy about it. Yeah. Whatever happens. But it all comes back to me making that decision and being the dictator. Having a man make decisions is actually a great blessing. And that's, again, marry someone that you want to submit to. <laughs> when you are searching out for who to marry, don't marry someone that you feel you're going to constantly be contending with. (laughs) Marry someone that you like and you like the direction they're going. You like how they live their life. You You have shared values. You respect them. So it's going to be a lot easier for you to submit to It's like with men. Marry a girl that you love. If you love her, then you can live with understanding. (laughs) I respect my husband, but if you say but, it means you don't. Like... (laughs) 
<laughs> I love you, but <laughs> I respect you, but we do not talk about submission because you don't want to submit because you are in control of him. Yes, the man is head of the home, but so again, he's not. He's not head of the home because you're putting a but you're qualifying it only if he loves me. Is he head of the home? Well, it's not what the Bible says. Wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And then it goes on in verse 5. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Well, and you are Sarah's children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The idea is not loving your husband. It's respecting your husband. So you may well love your husband, but do you respect him? Next one. So what happens if the woman suddenly becomes a widow? There you are, no husband, no career, not even any marketable skills, except maybe cleaning other people's homes. Look, this is a, a good question because at least they're thinking ahead of things. It is a very real concern. What if you become a widow? What if your husband dies? Here's the key. Every husband dies. And we've done a video on this. What if my husband dies? We are 100,000% advocates of life insurance. Every man, when he gets married, you should go out and get life insurance. The younger you are, the more affordable it is, you know, for... 500 bucks a year, you can get a million bucks if you die. If you die, a million bucks gets deposited in your bank account. Your wife can then invest that money or pay off the house and bills or start a business, whatever, whatever all the things you can do with a million bucks is. Your wife will be set for life if you die. That's life insurance. Same with your children, right? So as a man, sort that out should you die, when you die, that your wife and children are blessed because you have life insurance. In that video that we did a response to something like this, we also talked about the importance of putting yourself in a community because you never know what could happen in life. And should something go wrong, you do want to be surrounded by people who will love you, take care of you and help mm -hmm. you. I mean, that is literally the command of the Bible is to help the widows and the orphans. And so um, as Christians, that is what we should be looking to do is to help the widows and the orphans. Yeah. So that way when life, terrible, tragic things happen, people aren't in terrible situations. Yeah. And so this goes back to the, the re real issue that we talk a lot about is to live toward plan A, not to live with plan B. Mm -hmm. So many women are like, well, gotta go to university, gotta go get a career in case my husband dies or in case my husband leaves me. You're living toward your fear. You're living toward the very thing that you don't want to happen. You're living as if that is already happening. Whereas we're very big on, no, you live toward your vision, live toward your plan A. You're going to have a husband who loves you. You're going to be a homemaker, Proverbs 31 woman. And should the worst case happen, you're in a community that cares for you and there's life insurance in place and, and your household is running. The life insurance is in place. And what is the difference between being an 18 year old and taking four years of your life in debt to go get a marketable skill and career mm -hmm. than being a widow that has life insurance that can pay for you to get a yeah. four year? If that's the argument that you have exactly. of why you should go get a degree in the first place, it's like, well, what is stopping a widow from going and getting that four year mm -hmm. degree? then then an 18 year old who is her most fertile ever 
and then getting put into a system that yeah. is actively trying to destroy her femininity. Yeah. Don't live your life for plan B. We were just talking the other day of uh, how excited we are to hear so many testimonies of young traditional girls who are following God's ways and seeing them getting engaged and getting married. These girls didn't have a, a plan B. They didn't go off to college as a plan B. They said, I want to be married. And now like we are seeing them getting married because that was their plan mm -hmm. A. Whereas, and so you start living like it. Yeah. And I don't know how many unfortunate situations of girls that did live for plan B end up living plan B. And they're now in their thirties wondering why they're not married, why they're not meeting anyone, what happened. And they're really upset and it's tragic. That is sad. Yeah. Galatians 3, 28, 29. There is no male or female Jew or Gentile because all are equal now in Christ. Again, this is a huge difference between salvation and discipleship. This in Galatians 3, 28, it's talking about us being the seed of Abraham, receiving the blessing of Abraham. Before Christ shed his blood for us and became a new high priest, only Jewish men who were free citizens, whatever you want to call it, not slaves, only they could inherit the blessing of Abraham. Only they were blessed by God. But because of Christ, everyone now is open to the blessing of the Lord. Everyone has the ability to be received back into communion with God and be blessed like Abraham was. Once you get saved, you don't lose your hardware. You just become sanctified. I'm still a man. Before I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm a man. After I become a Christian, I become a Christian man. Before I'm saved, I'm a husband. After I get saved, I'm a Christian husband. None of that falls away. You know, I don't be like, oh, I'm saved. Sweet. I'm out of here. Like, we're just Christians now. We're just spirits yeah. now. That's called Gnosticism. We don't believe in that. You know, so when it comes to hierarchy, God is father. God is patriarch. He is above. I'm not equal to God. I am created by God. I am below God. He is above me in the hierarchy. Your children, should you have any, will be below you in the hierarchy because they are your children who are entrusted to your care and your responsibility, your authority. There's a hierarchy. And so likewise with husband and wife, there is a hierarchy because that is the way that God has created a functioning world. That's part of his creation. It doesn't fall away. It just becomes sanctified. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so many people say, oh, it was from the curse. Adam was cursed. Eve was cursed. Now, now that Jesus has saved us from the curse, we are free from all of that stuff. Look, the hardware still all remains. Marriage, it's not going to happen in heaven. It says that we are not given in marriage in heaven, but it doesn't stop my earthly marriage. This could literally be the most stupidest deception ever when you apply it to our earthly things that are happening here. Like, I can't just abandon my wife. There's very heavy scriptures that says that a man who abandons his wife is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. So if I want to be a Christian and follow Galatians 3.28 and then I leave my wife because we're just spirits, I'm now worse than an unbeliever and Galatians 3.28 no longer applies to me. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being here. <laughs> for the whole week. We hope you enjoyed this style. We've never done something like this before where we posted something, uh, a comment every day so we hope that it's been enjoyable for you i am posting videos over on the home with kelly page if you haven't subscribed to that that is the channel for homemaking these days so that way we can keep this channel as our this type of stuff praise god god bless you guys
We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review. And if you want to follow along on YouTube, our channel is Scott and Kelly. And my Instagram page is Home with Kelly, Kelly with an I. Thanks so much. And we hope you have a blessed day.